Before we get into the episode today, I want to tell you about a free resource that we are currently offering our listeners. You can go to connectioncodes.co forward slash sex talk to listen to a conversation that we have dealing with the emotions tied in to our sexual relationships. We know that in order to have a dynamic sexual relationship, you first need an emotionally deep, connected one. But that is way harder than it sounds. So we dissect some of our hurdles that we have gone through on our own journey. And you can listen to it right now. Connectioncodes.co forward slash sex talk. Hello, Connection Coders, and welcome to the Connection Codes podcast, where we break open our emotions that take us from feeling disconnected to connected in your relationship and with yourself. This episode is a part two episode of last week, where we are sharing the health benefits, how it actually affects our minds and our bodies to process our emotion. If you have not listened yet to last week's episode, please do that first. That is where we actually talk about what processing emotion looks like. So I am so excited to dive in. We have five incredible points to wrap up last week. We talked about your cortisol levels, how not processing raises those, and also how intense emotion hinders cognition. So I'm your producer, Tara Wages, and I'm so excited to introduce to you the founders of The Connection Codes marriage and family therapist, clinical sexologist, Dr. Glenn Hill, and his incredible wife, Phyllis. So here we go. Hello, world. Hi, friends. (laughs) So we ended last week mentioning that uh, all of this can lead to stopping wars. Mm, I love that imagery because for many of us, our family life feels like war. Mm. There's yeah. no peace. Yeah. And, and whether you have children or don't, and, mm. and just in your marriage relationship, or if you're not married, just feeling like, man, man, my life. Mm. But then also the bigger picture of, is when I think of war, I think of communities that are at odds. Mm. I think of um, just relational tension, I, even beyond that and within our world. So I love the research that has come out just in the last couple of years. Yeah about uh, the 19 seconds. Mm. Can you kind of share that with us? Yeah, well, and the whole idea, uh, and I don't know that we'll be able to stop all wars. I think we can literally stop a lot of them because if you trace backwards, 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 that war grew out of something. Mm, And it is my theory that it was out of an unprocessed emotion. Uh, The cycle sped up, became a cyclone, and just magnified, magnified, mm. and then we're literally dropping bombs on uh, each other. It's just uh, stunning. Wow. So to realize, and you mentioned uh, a couple of years ago, that research came out, and when this research first came out, the very first time I laughed about it, I read it to you, and I was like, this is stupid. They're mm-hmm. really missing yeah. something. But the conclusion of the research project said that humans are unable to experience an emotion for more than 19 seconds if it's not reactivated. Mm -hmm. And I read that and I'm like, whoa, they're really missing something. There's some control, they're missing some variable. And my life philosophy is if somebody says something, I try to listen, try to be kind, patient, uh, but, you know, not everybody has an opinion. If two divergent people uh, say something, then I go, huh, that's interesting. And I tune in a little bit. And then if a third, uh, the source says it, I go, okay, I must be missing something here. I need to tune in and I get this uh, straight. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, three 
three different sources can be incorrect and accurate, but it at least gets my attention. So that research sometime later uh, was replicated and came up with the same conclusion, 19 seconds. Uh, then it was replicated again, and uh, that particular one said uh, 18 to 19 seconds. So I thought, okay, I must be missing something here, because uh, initially it just didn't make sense to me. So I started researching the research. I started studying the study, and to realize that's actually true. If we're able to process the emotion, if we're able to be safe with each other, mm. I just think about you and me. If you come to me and you say, I felt hurt by what you said, well, if I resist your energy, if in, a, uh, in whatever way, but you know, I go, what? No, babe, I didn't mean anything bad by that. That, that mm-hmm. was just, you misunderstood me. Well, I've just reactivated the emotion wow. for you. I've reactivated the hurt. I've reactivated the pain. And now I don't know how long it's going to last. Mm-hmm. An hour, a day, a week, I have no idea. Wow. Uh, but if I'm able to be present with you, so you say to me, I felt hurt by what you said. Uh, that's the power of the ooh. And I'm literally able to just start with an ooh, the three phrases. And I go, oh, shoot, what, what happened? What did I miss? Mm, yeah. And then you tell me there's not much more to do beyond that. Right. You give me a couple, three sentences about how you felt hurt. And I go, oh, shoot. Yeah, well, I get that. I feel some guilt. Because I brought you pain. That really mm-hmm. stinks. And it doesn't even matter my intention. Now, if my intention is bad, shame on me. Uh, but I may have completely been, quote, unquote, innocent in it. I may not have intended anything bad mm-hmm. by it. You just felt pain. And when you're able to process that, we're about 19 seconds in. Yeah. And that's done. So now it doesn't last for a minute, three mm-hmm. minutes, an hour, a day, a week. Our cycle doesn't speed up. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have another emotion in five minutes or 10 minutes or an hour, and that's fine. We'll just process that one Mm. uh, then. But it's just remarkable to think that we're 19 seconds from changing the world, Mm -hmm. 19 seconds from changing this marriage, 19 seconds from changing uh, this relationship with this couple's children, Mm -hmm. this couple's friends, this couple's neighbors, this, uh, this individual's parents. And I see that play out uh, all the time. Of course, we get to see it a lot in sessions uh, where it's kind of a controlled environment. But just hearing stories continuously now from around the world of people's lives who are being changed when they're able to process uh, those emotions in 19 seconds. Well, you know, I hear what you're saying. I, I think that so often the way we respond to each other and we react to each other, it's like there's there's a these rules that we've come up with mm. where we have to defend ourselves like when you even use the example you know if i say to you i felt hurt by what you said it's like the reaction so often is in relationships i didn't mean it mm. so that's kind of that first defense right. i didn't mean it yep. or you know accusation which would be well you misunderstood mm. me yep. so then that throws it back on the mm-hmm. other person in an accusation or, you know, there's, of course, many other reactions instead of just making space for the fact that you felt hurt. Mm. And and I think that that's where we so often miss each other. Um, I was thinking of a scenario recently where, uh, you know, a, a couple was sharing with us that she said to him, uh, I feel so overwhelmed by everything I have to get done uh, by May. Mm. And he responded by logistically trying to explain to her that yeah. she has plenty of time, plenty of help, 
there's no reason for her to be overwhelmed. Yeah. Well, that just, she felt so judged in mm. that. Yep. So they had the huge fight. And, you know, when you put all of those ingredients on the table and you look at that, you go, whoa, that th- those ingredients shouldn't have led to a fight. And yet this is what we do in relationship. It's like we barely miss each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that 19 seconds. If I mm-hmm. can... If I can hold space for what you're experiencing for 19 seconds, it's incredible to think that that then releases from your body. That emotion has time to be released from your body and you can feel it, physically feel it. You felt heard by the other person. Mm. You, you know, that's the opposite of feeling judged, feeling accused and, and so that's the whole 19 seconds. And I, and I love that to think, we so desperately need that. Um, and our bodies need that, which is part of, you know, this week's episode is just talking about how emotions can negatively affect our Mm. bodies. So talk to us about how co-regulation uses 80% less glucose than self-regulation. What does that mean? Yeah. And there's some remarkable researchers. Dr. Jim Cohn is just a genius as far as the, uh, because it's, uh, as we said last week, it's so difficult to determine causation, to figure out uh, human behavior, because humans are so complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with a chemist, you do a research one time, it's like, there, we got it. We, we know that uh, two particles of hydrogen plus one particle of oxygen equals water. We don't have to do that a thousand times to figure out if it's true or not. Humans are far more complex than that. So these research projects are very difficult to isolate uh, Dr. Jim Cohn, uh, Dr. House, Dr. Steve Case are just brilliant at, at doing uh, this research to try to figure out what causes humans uh, to function the way that they do. But one of the takeaways from some of that research is that uh, co-regulation, so when we're together, when we can co-regulate this experience together, uses 80% less glucose. Well, what difference does that make? Well, glucose is what runs the brain, and the brain is what runs the body. So we're frequently, when we're self-regulating, we're burning through fuel so fast Hmm. and we're exhausted. And you talk to people all the time. I think the majority of people are exhausted Hmm. most of the time. They're just worn out. Because the equivalent of that, if you just do the math, you know, you've been getting 30 miles to the gallon in your car and all of a sudden you start getting 150 miles to the mile in your car and you're just like, babe, I filled up with gas like a month ago. And I still have like an eighth of a tank. I don't even understand what's happening wow. here uh, because you're not burning through the fuel. Uh, conversely, if you've been getting 30 miles to the gallon and all of a sudden you start getting six miles to the gallon, you're like, dang, I filled up with gas yesterday morning. Uh, I think I'm going to have to fill up again tomorrow morning. I, I don't know what's happening with my car. Mm-hmm. I'm burning through fuel so fast. Well, that's the equivalent of what's happening with the human. They're burning through glucose so fast. Hmm. Uh, you know, the big story for us several years ago, uh, I love what I do. And I had an office in Brentwood, uh, Tennessee, and I was usually the last person at my office, especially uh, in the wintertime, it would get dark. And so by the time I'm leaving, it would be dark and hmm. my car is the only one in the parking lot. And it would have made a great uh, video on uh, YouTube <laughs> because here I am this trained professional and I would leave out the back 
uh, door, start walking to my car, and I would end up just sprinting mm-hmm. to my car because there's a group of uh, people in the uh, the back parking lot that have like chainsaws and machetes and pitchforks and stuff. I've never actually seen them, but I'm convinced that they're there. And I would just get so flooded with fear that these people yeah. are going to attack me, cut me up into little pieces, uh, and you know that would be my demise. And when I shared that with you one day, and you said, "Babe, why don't you just?" call me when you're leaving hmm. uh, your building. And I was just so struck by that because I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to call you. And now these people are going to attack me with their chainsaws and machetes and chop me up into small pieces. So you will get to hear my screams <laughs> as they're doing that. Or you could call 911 and, you know, 911 responders will be able to get there in time to sweep up uh, the pieces of my body that are uh, <laughs> you know, laying on the ground. And so it actually doesn't accomplish anything as far as logistically, for me to call you, you're, right. you're not going to be able to do anything. All you'll be able to do is to to hear uh, my uh, death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. And you assured me that it was worth doing. So I called you, and it was amazing. Those people never bothered mm-hmm. me again. Yeah. Well, that's because I'm co-regulating it. I'm right. with someone else, someone who I'm safe with, that uh, I trust so tremendously. And so we would talk on the phone. For, you know, whatever, a minute, two minutes, I get in uh, my car and those people don't bother me at all. And it's just stunning to me. Of course, one of the case studies I'm most fascinated by is myself, Mm -hmm. uh, that this individual doesn't get hit with fear because I'm on the phone with my friend. I'm on the phone with my partner. It doesn't change anything logistically. Mm -hmm. My car is still in the back parking lot. Uh, It's still dark. Everything's the same, but it changes my emotional experience because I'm co-regulating it with you. So the fear uh, is either virtually nothing or doesn't even exist uh, at all. That's just remarkable to think how much effect that has uh, mm-hmm. on me in that moment. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm hearing the word exhaustion. And man, to think how many of us mm. feel exhausted and I... It's interesting because I think about that just talking among among my friends, mm. how often I hear that term, wow, I'm so exhausted. Mm. And I think that we think, well, you need more sleep. So if you just go to bed a little earlier or sleep in a little uh, longer. Yeah. But really, it from just what you've just shared as far as our um, glucose levels, and you go, okay, so... We are given X amount of energy a day, mm. and if that energy is used up, even in the first few hours of yeah. the day, maybe even the first right. few minutes yeah. of the day, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, then you're tired all day long, mm. and and I think that is so powerful in so many examples in life where the co the co regulating, like mm. to ask to have someone to partner with, that you're talking through the emotions of the day as the day progresses. So I know for me, just, you know, that is like, wow. Cause I think back in the day, you know, before I tuned into my emotions, Hmm. I dealt with everything on my own. Like that was part of what I considered my strength is just grin and bear Mm. it and do it and get the task done 
And uh, I remember that I would hit an incredible wall every single afternoon of just exhaustion. Mm. And I leaned into naps. Like I was like, let me take a nap. And, you know, Mm. there was that term power nap that Mm. I remember others who could just do a 20 minute power nap and they would have it. I would be like, dude, give me two hours. (laughs) And then I would wake up tireder after my nap. So it was this battle that I always had within myself where I was exhausted and I, and, and if I had simply known that it was because I was self-regulating, I was not co-regulating mm. with you or anyone else. Like I just kept it all inside myself. And so my glucose levels were constantly falling. So that's a really right. something I think for all of us to really lean into is, wow, we've got to be co-regulating, which mm. of course that starts with tuning into yourself, getting familiar with your own uh, voice to be able to go, okay, mm. what are my emotions? Because to co-regulate with you, I have to know what mm. I'm regulating, which yeah. is my emotions, which means I have to learn to tune in to my emotions. So that's yeah. really, really powerful. And, you know, I thought about this even with just the, the, the fact that loneliness is so damaging mm. to ourselves. And if you go, wow, so self-regulating, that means really there's a lot of loneliness in that and that loneliness is so damaging talk about the study that has come out on on just the damage of loneliness yeah well i wanted to mention back as far as sleep goes because it's stunning to some of the research that says that the human body needs a certain amount of sleep every night and people like oh it's probably about eight hours the human body needs about two hours of sleep at night, it's our psyche mm-hmm. that needs so much time to recalibrate. Uh, large mammals don't sleep much, mm-hmm. but you think about take a cow. So a cow at the end of the day is going, "What have I got going on tomorrow? I'm going to eat some grass." Uh, well, that's a, that's about it. I got my mm-hmm. day set tomorrow. Humans are on the other end of the spectrum where we've got so many things mm-hmm. going on, and so our psyche needs all this time. Uh, to rest. It needs wow. all this time to recalibrate, to recalibrate our neurotransmitters, our hormones, uh, so many aspects of our bodies because we're such complex beings. So when we're able to fall asleep at night, again, our goal is not to get people to try to sleep two hours a night. Uh, but uh, as you mentioned, tons of people are tireder when they wake up in the morning than they were when they went to bed. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, shoot, you know, I've slept all night and I still feel uh, exhausted. Well, that's because their psyche was activated all night long. It didn't able, didn't have time to recuperate, didn't have the situation uh, to reset. So when we don't re- co-regulate, when we don't have the connection, when we don't have the safety uh, to do that, we end up living in non-connection mm. or disconnection, uh, which we uh, reference as uh, loneliness. And it's amazing some of the research that has come out that's been replicated a bunch of times. And a lot of these are longitudinal studies. Uh, which, as we mentioned last week, longitudinal studies have so much more efficacy uh, than latitudinal studies. But uh, one of the uh, first projects that came out was with the Happiness Institute out of Denmark. Uh, and says one of their conclusions was that living in loneliness is more damaging to your health than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Wow. That is stunning yeah. if there's accuracy to that uh, conclusion. Because you think about what we've done uh, culturally, uh, the anti-tobacco campaign. I was a kid whenever it kind of kicked in, 
uh, and we're not trying to sell cigarettes here. That's not the point. Uh, but we we have really focused in. You know, we're like, mm-hmm. don't smoke, don't yeah. smoke, don't smoke. You can't smoke. Don't dip. Don't do anything with tobacco. Which again, it's fine. I'm 100 percent for that. Uh, not you and I don't smoke. Um, so I'm not trying to get people to start smoking. Mm-hmm. But it's actually more damaging to your health to live in loneliness. So what that says is, if Phyllis and Glenn live connected, we don't experience ongoing loneliness, and we each smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, we're winning. Hmm. (laughs) That's a win. Well, culturally, people gasp and are like, what are you talking about? That's insane. They should never smoke cigarettes. But that's what the research actually Hmm. tells us. Conversely, if we would never touch tobacco. We would never smoke cigarettes. Oh my gosh, no. Are you crazy? That's bad for you. We would never do that. But we live in loneliness. We live mm-hmm. in disconnection. We don't have a connected relationship. We lose. Yeah, yeah. And again, culturally, that's stunning. So my dream is that we get, again, not in any way supporting tobacco smoking here, uh, but my dream is that we get that focused on loneliness. We get that focused mm. on connection to have a campaign, an anti-loneliness uh, campaign, an anti-disconnection campaign where we get laser focused on this. And of course, that's what the Connection Code is all about. Yeah. That is our campaign. Uh, we're trying to change the world. We're trying to reach 8 billion people and help them get connected. Mm-hmm. And people are not not connected people are not disconnected because they want to be right they just don't know how they don't need better intentions they need better tools and of course that's what the connection codes is all about well you know in explaining the word loneliness or lonely i know that for so long i had Mm, really the wrong definition because Uh i remember really resisting that one and Mm. going lonely i'd love I love being all by myself. Mm. I don't mind being at home alone. I don't right, mind, right. Uh, you know, and I think that for a lot of people, they go, oh, yeah, I I crave time mm. alone. But that is a, 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 there's more to loneliness. And yeah. to realize that often there are people even in a room full of people and that person is lonely. Mm. So it is not a an actual, oh, if you're just in a room with a bunch of people or you, you know, go to a coffee shop and sit and you're surrounded by people, you're, you're, you're the opposite of lonely, that people within a family can be lonely. And so it's tuning in to that deeper version of lonely and to realize just like, uh, you know, I can experience lonely in a project where I'm like, okay, I feel all alone. I feel totally responsible. Mm. And, and even with your role within a family, you know, if, if there's only one breadwinner, then the breadwinner of the family may feel really alone in that carry a lot of responsibility. And so that is, you know, that is on, that's one of the emotions that we need to be aware of and Mm. really tune into and, and kind of connect. I think there's times, you know, take a young mom. She's, you know, she's had a a baby. She feels alone in that. Mm. She feels a hundred percent responsible for the baby's care. And there's can be loneliness in that. So I, I think it helps to redefine that and to realize that is, can be damaging. Hmm. So take the young mom, you know, and it's, it's kind of like in our society, even things have changed so much where we don't always have the family support that used to be, 
in the, in for young families. And mm. so to go, wow, she's now caring for that child. She's all alone in that. Mm. She feels all alone in that. And, you know, it it's the it's so important to process that so that you don't end up just damaging yourself in that season where you feel so alone. It's the processing, it's the identifying that and and that is so important and being able to share that, which yeah. goes back to the co-regulating mm, with absolutely. someone. So yeah. it may, you know, that's it's like finding that safe person and being able to talk through and express how lonely you feel in this. And it's, you know, I think sometimes if if I said to you, you know, I'm I'm just a general statement of oh, I'm feeling lonely, hmm. or I might say that to a friend, the immediate response may be, oh, well, let's go have coffee. Hmm. What's your schedule? Again, that's not always the thing, right? Hmm. right it's yeah. it's just, I just need to process the lonely. I've hmm. still got to do the thing, hmm. you know? I've still got to do that project. I've still got to get that done, or I'm still the one responsible for this newborn baby, but it's just the importance of being able to share that and to right. get that out of your body so you don't hold mm-hmm. that in. And I think, too, just as a society, for everyone listening today, look around. Mm. Make sure that there are that you're tuning in to people. I, I immediately think about a classroom, a teacher wow. yeah. with, you know, 20 students, and you see that one that's always by themselves, mm. and, and they're more the outcast. Like, to see how damaging that is to them. And, you know, that's where you go into the, even the using the tools, what's happening Mm. to find out what's happening with that kid that is always alone and, Mm. you know, that they're isolated, they're different, you know, and uh, sadly, you know, among kids, especially I think as they get older, little kids don't seem to have those prejudices, but Mm. as kids start to get older, they begin to form prejudices and they can leave someone out. That loneliness is so damaging. Yeah. And for us yeah. to really tune into that is yeah. so important. Yeah, when we spoke at a church uh, this uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, we, we just looked out in the audience. We said, you know, if somebody lit up a cigarette right now indoors, everybody would notice. They'd be like, <laughs> yeah. "What the heck is happening here? <laughs> so true. Somebody's smoking a cigarette." And we would all be startled by that, and and most people mm-hmm. would be concerned yeah. uh, about it. Well, to have that same awareness of loneliness, because uh, yeah. as yeah. we looked out into a crowd of several hundred people, I'm like, there are some people in here who are very, yeah. very lonely. Yeah. They're experiencing a lot of loneliness, which mm. is actually more damaging to them than if they're lighting up a, a cigarette. So we're really, and again, not supporting the tobacco industry, mm. but we're really imbalanced in this uh, culturally, you know, as a society to not even be uh, aware of yeah. that. And, and also just to emphasize that, uh, the, the brain, you know, for humans, the brain doesn't distinguish between physical pain and emotional pain. So loneliness fires in the pain region of the brain. So living in loneliness, you're living in this dull, aching pain uh, continuously for mm-hmm. those who are in continuous loneliness. And pain is exhausting. Yeah. Uh, it wears yeah. you out, uh, of course, raises your cortisol levels mm-hmm. and all the things that that uh, ends up resulting in. So for us to become more and more aware of this, but again, the individual needs to become aware of it and um, develop safe relationships where they're able to say, uh, I feel lonely uh, right. right now. And, uh, you know, we talk about the three phrases for the person to be able to respond, you know, oh, what, what's happening with lonely? What am I missing? Uh, and then after all that emotions process to be able to go, so how could I help right. with that? You know, what mm. we call the fourth phrase, Yeah. you know, what do you need? 
uh, there, and then they end up co-regulating together, and it's mm. amazing the difference. Yeah, uh, what happens over the next two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, and which of course ends up equaling a life. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I love the way this is kind of building, and on it, each one builds on the other. Mm. Um, you know, you I would I do want to state you may be living in a marriage where you feel lonely in mm. the marriage, and again, yeah. it goes back to it's not that you are like a human living on an island and that Hmm. it's, it's that you can be surrounded by people and it can be just a spouse. And in that marriage, you feel lonely and to realize how damaging that is and that you've got to be able to express what's happening for you. Hmm. And, you know, we started off with the 19 seconds and it's like, so often we don't feel heard because our partner responds in such a way. Mm. They're either trying to fix this or they're trying to smooth things over or they're denying or they're all about defending themselves. And so in the, we lose each other in 19 seconds. So quickly we Mm. lose each other. And then, you know, the, the whole co-regulating and using less glucose, how important that is. And then, you know, we're talking about loneliness. And so, wow, they just flow. One flows into the other, um, that, you know, the compassionate touch, makes ourselves healthier Mm. is the next part that we want to talk about. And just, wow, that study I think is phenomenal and how powerful just the human touch is, which, which is in marriage. Yes. In family with kids, it's so important. And then in in a society, can you expound on just that? Yeah. And there's so much research on this, some of it from some pretty horrendous uh, sources. And this has accumulated over the last century. Uh, seeing the effects of a lack of touch. Mm. Uh, And this is true for all humans, but you especially see it uh, with infants and with older uh, people. And infants can actually die uh, from lack of touch, uh, which they can have all the nutrition uh, that they need. Uh, They have plenty of water. You know, they're not freezing to death, but they literally just begin to deteriorate and actually can die from a lack of touch. We are social creatures. We are set mm-hmm. up that way. Uh, and of course, that's the first slide in the uh, Connection Codes Foundations uh, e-course uh, is that humans are not designed to live independently. Mm-hmm. We are designed uh, to be interdependent. Uh, uh, there are uh, species that just live their lives alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are species that never even see their parents. They're, they're just born and they're on their own. Uh, humans are not that way. We are designed to be in community and teamship wow. and connection. Uh, again, we don't need better intentions. We may, need better tools because so many people have no idea how to do this effectively, especially day to day. You know, they may experience it, you know, a couple times a year or something sitting around a campfire, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to live uh, that way. So explain just the actual compassionate touch. Like, the just the power of that and and how that literally affects the cells in right your body. well some of that's just our coding uh you know we don't necessarily know why that is or how that is it just is uh but literally when we touch each other uh the cells in that area of our body react you know, mm. if they had emojis they'd have a smiley face mm. uh, on them and again as long as it's compassion touch as long as you're not afraid of me you know if there's mm. fear in it well that's a whole different experience yeah. But if it's, you experience it as compassionate touch, uh, it makes your cells healthier. It makes them more permeable to water. Uh, it makes them uh, just flow uh, mm. better. And the trick is that connection and compassion and touch are reciprocal. Mm. So if you and I are not connected, 
uh, you don't want me to touch you. Uh, and if I don't touch you, well, then we end up not connected. And it's just this terrible wow. pattern, this terrible cycle that uh, just uh, makes it more and more detrimental uh, to our health. And you'll see that, of course, we see that a lot in our uh, private sessions is that, you know, whichever, but let's say it's a couple, a married couple, and, uh, you know, the husband feels wounded, feels hurt by the wife and she reaches to touch him, he literally will lean away from her mm. uh, because he the, he doesn't feel safe with her. He doesn't think that it's compassionate touch. The brain doesn't distinguish physical from emotional pain. So she's now a pain source. And again, she may not she be intending anything negative at all, but he actually will pull away from her because he doesn't feel connected uh, with her. And then, of course, we're really good at helping people process through that. And then, literally two minutes later, she reaches to touch him, and he lets her yeah. because he feels safe with her, and that compassionate touch becomes even more uh, connecting, uh, which, of course, leads into deeper connection, which leads to deeper uh, compassionate touch. That's a beautiful cycle. You know, it, it, I love that point because I think about that just in relationships in general, that we need to touch each other. Mm. And I think about that among um, senior citizens who, you know, have lost right. a yeah. lot yeah. in, and even just, you know, I, I, I grew up in a culture where, you know, you would see someone and you would hug them. And I mm. even think about just in, in my, uh, church culture where there was like the sideways hug. Cause mm. you know, that's more acceptable than mm. the front hug. And, um, and you know, and it's nothing wrong with that, but I, you know, to me, sometimes there's, it's, more power just in that actual touch of my hand on your Mm -hmm. arm and not just a quick hug, but there's so much power in laying your hand on someone's arm, um, on their shoulder, like, and to connect and realize this is affecting my cells Mm. and to to realize there's so much power in that science. Mm. And, with, whether you're dealing even with children, I think to just it calms them, you know. Yeah. And and you did mention if if you don't feel safe with someone, that's that's not the sure. case. Right. Um, and you know, I I thought about that time we were downtown and mm-hmm. we were going to the symphony and we were in a big old parking garage and we mm-hmm. came across two elderly ladies and they were confused. They didn't know how to to get themselves out of the garage, right. and I touched. Mm-hmm. And that one of them, I touched right, her arm right. and I said, can we help you? And it's like, I just saw her physically calm down yeah. and she said, well, we don't know how to get out and we're trying to go to the symphony. And I yeah. said, well, we're going to the symphony and we would love to show you. Yeah. And, but I was so amazed that she trusted us, mm. but I also knew that study that had come out about the compassionate ch- mm. touch in that in my touch of her arm. And it's like, I just saw her whole body, mm. you know, relax. And I, yeah. I think that we underestimate and I almost feel like even as a society, you know, we, we kind of, well, I'm not touchy feely. We kind of mm. have these, well, I'm just not a touchy feely person. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my goodness, we yeah. all need touch. Yeah. If you're human, you're supposed to be right. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. something, somehow you got knocked off course mm. at some point in your life, yeah. but we actually really 
really need that from each other. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's even, you've heard this, well, I'm an introvert, well, I'm an extrovert. Hmm. And it's like, well, somewhere we got knocked off course because right. we actually need each other. Yeah. We all need each other. I think we can get exhausted by yeah. each other, especially if we're not being authentic right. with each yeah. other. And yeah. that's where you kind of go, well, I'm just not, I'm not a people person. Mm. It's like, well, when you were little, when you were 12 months old, you were definitely a people mm. person. Yeah. You were crying out for people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's somewhere we get knocked off course. And so, but I love that, that idea, that, uh, that compassionate touch, that what it brings to us is so important. Mm. And, you know, all of this is kind of tied together, right? We're, we're talking about emotion and we're talking about how to be like processing how to be authentic in our emotion um and talk about um how unprocessed emotion facilitates debilitating illnesses yeah there's so much research Such now a big one. Yeah. yeah and again longitudinal studies 30 year studies uh that are reaching the same conclusions and there's a mounting body of evidence that says that Unprocessed emotion facilitates debilitating uh, illnesses as well as psychological disorders, which includes addictions. And wow. just to, to consider that, oh my gosh, all that stuff originates with unprocessed emotions. Now, again, very difficult to prove causation to know for certain that, oh, this caused this, this equals mm. this. Uh, we can't really do that with humans because humans are so complex, but to realize that that's at least an ingredient, that's at least a factor, these unprocessed emotions, uh, we mentioned last week, the wolf, you're living with the wolf, you're mm. living with this stressor that's just always there, it may not be gnawing at your throat, but it's always there, it's always uh, on top of you, it's always present uh, with you, it breaks down your immune system. Wow. And now your immune system is not going to fight that disease that it normally would be able to handle. Yeah. Uh, specifically with cancers, uh, the human body is designed to heal itself. Hmm. And uh, can everybody has cancer. We all have cancer. Cancer is simply a misreplicated cell. Now, most of those cells die. Uh, they're not viable. Uh, and the ones that uh, we, you know, we have trillions and trillions of cells in our body. So if you have one cancerous cell, well, whoop-de-doo, that's zero mm percent. -hmm. Nobody cares. And then when that one, the ones that are able to survive, it replicates itself. Well, now you have two cancer mm -hmm. cells. No big deal. Uh, and they, they double, four, eight, 16. You know, our whole body replicates itself about every seven years, sometimes even less uh, than that. Uh, so for you couples out there, if, if she says, you're not the man that I married, well, if you've been married over seven years, that's true. You're a completely <laughs> new human. Uh, but... Uh, when the, those numbers get bigger, and again, it starts out one, it doubles to two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, you do the math, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it has to get up to a really big number to matter because mm -hmm. you have trillions of cells in your body. But when your immune system is distracted with a wolf, with a big stressor, with that continuous mm. stress, wow. it doesn't pay attention because at some point when the number gets big enough, your immune system is supposed to say, clean up on aisle nine, go beat up the cancer, and it just deals with it. It yeah. can handle yeah. it. It, it uh, just crushes the, uh, the cancer. Uh, so when the immune system is distracted with the clean up on aisle nine or a bigger thing where the whole um, 
you know, store has been flooded and you have to clean up everything. Well, then by the time the immune system gets back to that mess, it's too big. And that's when your doctor says to you, you have cancer. In reality, you've had cancer the whole time, whatever, for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But whenever it gets so big, whenever it gets so unmanageable, that's when we notice it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not saying the doctor is doing that on purpose. It's just now it's noticeable Mm -hmm. uh, and the body can't catch up. And that's when we do external uh, things. But if the body is set up properly and is able to manage uh, if the immune system is really functioning, it just gets rid of. And I'm talking about diseases like Parkinson's, uh, fibromyalgia. It's a long, long, long list. Uh, hypertension, of course, heart attacks. So many of those, if you trace them back, which is very, very difficult to do, but if you keep tracing them backwards, you find unprocessed emotion. Uh, yeah. That was the origin uh, of that. You know, there's times that we set ourselves up. I, I'm mm. thinking back to when our third child was born uh, we moved when she was mm. a month old yeah. wow. and we moved from the East coast back to South Carolina. And, mm. you know, I, I remember right as we were going to the airport, I felt, I guess for, you know, 24 hours felt really sick, 48 mm. hours. I don't know, but we decided to stop in at a clinic and they said, Oh, you have strep throat. Mm. And it, it makes so much sense when you think about birth, yeah. uh, birthing a baby alone mm-hmm. is such a stressor on your body, your mind, your yeah. emotions, yeah. like everything. And then to go, oh, and now you're going to move in less than a month yeah. from the yeah. date of her wow. birth. And my body was like too many wolves in mm. the room, too much mm. stress. And so my immune system was so compromised right. and you know, I think at that point in our lives, we didn't understand any of this science. We didn't mm. understand any of it. And we're yeah. definitely not, I was definitely not processing my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so my body just couldn't handle it. And, right. and I got really sick. And, you know, there's different times where we really do set ourselves up really poorly. Yeah. So it's almost like inviting the wolf in, mm. like we say. And isn't it, talk about the scale that, you know, you're only supposed to have like what, what scale is that? Right. One? The Holmes Rahe scale yeah. There's two psychologists back in the seventies that I uh, just kind of put it together a list. And of course life has changed a good bit in yeah, the, last, since the last half century, mm-hmm. but, uh, that, so they just kind of listed out life events and, and, you know, went through and put a number one to a hundred on them. And their conclusion was you should never go over 300 points Mm. in any running 12-month period, not January through December, but any 12-month period. And the reality is many of us are operating at 40, 50, or 400, 500, 600 uh, points on the whole rating scale all the time. And that's so damaging. I think about for us, 2013, which was pre-connection codes, that's when we were first starting to really get into the research on this. Uh, But I got shingles. Oh, yeah. uh, that year. Yeah. Uh, and that's a lie because I'd had shingles mm. since I was a child, since I got the chicken pox, because uh, it's the same virus. So it had been going through my bloodstream for decades. No big deal. Uh, you can't wow. get rid of it. It's just in there. Yeah. It's in amongst your blood. I'd have to get rid of all my blood <laughs> to get mm. rid of the shingles virus. But in 2013, one of, if not the most stressful year of my life, uh, and I didn't process it 
uh, certainly didn't process it well, maybe didn't process it at all. Yeah. And my immune system broke down. And so then I had the shingles and I just X'd out five weeks of my life because that was one of the most right. harrowing experiences I've ever had. Just for the record, I do not recommend shingles if you're contemplating it. Yeah. It's not a good idea. Well, you had a pretty extreme case because right. it was in your head yeah. and, and went into your face, your eye and yeah. Yeah. your nose. So it was... Yeah, very, very scary. But right. that's such a good point that in that situation, because we didn't process all the emotion mm. and there was so much change. Right. And and I appreciated the one doctor that we went to because uh, he talked about just the emotion, mm. like you yeah. needing yeah. to talk and, and, and mm. talk through. And I thought, wow, no one had ever touched yeah, that before. Had no idea. Didn't know, um, right. and that you were still not releasing it. So mm -hmm. he wanted you to release it, and he gave very specific assignments every yeah. time you were awake, yeah. Yeah. which wasn't often during mm. those weeks. But because right. um, you were in the dark all the time, literally, because mm. it hurt your eyes so much. But mm -hmm. the fact that every time I could to get you to speak and to talk through the, these emotions yeah. was yeah. so huge, and so. You know, I love today's episode and just realizing that, man, our bodies, mm. we need to tune in and we need to to realize that we've been created. Yeah. Our bodies were created mm. to be strong and to and to fight and and to show right. up for itself. But we yeah. have to acknowledge that. And it goes back to the emotional health right. that so many of us don't understand. Yeah. And we've really lost ourselves. Yeah, and that. I wanted to mention the one thing because I referenced addictions. Uh, the human organism is designed to take care of itself, to mm -hmm. protect itself. Mm -hmm. Well, no human would become addicted to something that's damaging to them. That doesn't make any sense. That's illogical. Well, until you reference back that intense emotion shut down cognition. Mm -hmm. So if you talk to this, pick an age, this 10-year-old, this 15-year-old, this 20-year-old, I've never talked to a 10-year-old and said, well, my, my dream for my life is that I become an alcoholic. You know, that's right. my goal right. is just to completely wreck my life, my relationships, my work, my everything by being an alcoholic or a meth addict or whatever. Nobody does that. But through unprocessed emotion, we end up become dumbing, becoming dumber versions of ourselves, and then we end up turning wow. to the things that are actually going to be to our uh, detriment. Uh, and again, that's true for tons of things. Some of some addictions we actually kind of admire. Mm -hmm. uh, I know people that are addicted to running. Well, they're doing that because they have all this unprocessed emotion that is strangling them, and they just get out and run. I'm not against running at all. Well, actually, I am uh, because I have a car. I'd rather drive. But okay, sorry. Don't get mad at me. Um, Phyllis uh, and all of her friends are runners, but anyway, or used to be at least. So. But a lot of people do some of these things and we just admire them. We're like, oh, that's amazing. You know, uh, he's a triathlon, a triathlete. You know, she's a, uh, you know, she does all these crazy races. But a lot of times that's actually out of an addiction. But we admire mm -hmm. that addiction. Whereas if they're over here just drinking uh, whiskey all the time, well, we think that's bad. Well, it's the same thing that's causing mm -hmm. it. And again, I get it. Running is better for you than drinking a ton of whiskey. But it's actually the same unprocessed emotion, the same setup that's pushing uh, this behavior. Uh, so addictions actually are simply a way to deal with the unprocessed emotion. And, of course, in our working with people uh, so much, 
we see that once they get good at processing the emotion, the addiction goes away. Wow. That's remarkable. And it's not that simple. I'm not saying that it's magical and all of a sudden Thursday at 6, it's all going to be taken care of. But once people learn to process emotion, uh, the need, uh, the craving for the addiction dissipates drastically. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Mm. So much of this, gosh, there are moments of it that I can relate to different parts of my life. And then also just think about people that I really care about that are struggling with addiction. Mm. You know, there are so many of us have someone that we love that is currently in the trenches Mm. and just learning to process that emotion and how much that can change each of us individually Absolutely. is incredible. And then it translates into our relationships, right. which yeah. is just awesome. So recognizing that humans are not able to experience emotion for more than 19 mm. seconds, you know, if it's not reactivated, right. yeah. processing so, that emotion can help wow. it so mm. much. And then co-regulation. So actually doing it with someone yeah. uses 80% less glucose than self-regulation and living in loneliness is more damaging to your health Hmm. than smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. That is just honestly mind blowing because Hmm. I agree the, the movement for Hmm. the anti-tobacco when I was a little kid, that was huge, Mm -hmm. huge. Um, and then compassionate touch actually makes ourselves healthier. That is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. How our bodies are made. And, and then finally that, um, unprocessed emotion facilitates debilitating illness, mm. including psychological disorders that includes addiction. Yeah. So wow. processing emotion mm. changes our entire life, mm-hmm. our entire being. Mm-hmm. And so it is so important to access, identify, and verbalize our emotion. So Dr. Glenn and Phyllis, can you show us what that looks like by mm. using our core emotion will yeah. process Absolutely. our emotion and let's learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? That'd be great. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, felt a lot of fear yesterday driving in a torrential mm. downpour yeah. and passing that truck and it just blinded yeah. wow. us. Felt a lot of fear in that moment. Mm. Um, feeling a lot of joy about going to the movies with you tonight. <laughs> wow. Uh, guilt that uh, I booked the wrong mm. uh, Airbnb and ended up in a the wrong city. Mm. Felt a lot of guilt about that. Well, yeah. um, shame, uh, just have been hit with shame that I've gotten off track from mm. my goals, uh, mm. especially the walking and hiking mm. goals. Mm. Can't quite figure out how to balance life mm. right now. Yeah. Uh, lonely. I felt lonely recently when some of my friends went on a girl's trip and they didn't invite me. And I, it hit me when I saw pictures on Instagram mm. and I'm like, I want to be there with you. And yeah. I wasn't invited. Yeah. Uh, anger, um, anger that just recently our contractor, he messed up our order mm. and, um, it just, I was, oof, felt a lot about yeah. that. Yeah. Really ended up creating a lot more work for me to mm. straighten all that out. Wow. Um, felt hurt um, when you interrupted me uh, yesterday. Mm. And I, I feel like you have more words than I do. And, right. and when I get sharing and mm. it's like, oh, wow. don't interrupt. 
um, felt hurt in that. Um, feel some sadness that there's a bunch of road work going on mm. today right outside this building. <laughs> I get that. Um, maybe that's combined with some fear that it's really loud. Mm. It is really loud. I'm just hoping that it's not coming through the mics. Mm. But yeah. Yep. Wow. That's cool. Amazing. Uh, for me, I felt some uh, hurt. Uh, yesterday with a client that uh, she said that she didn't trust me. Mm, uh, that yeah. was kind of painful. Uh, and then that. I felt some guilt. She said she felt attacked uh, by me. And oh, yeah. uh, I realized that I just missed uh, with her. Uh, you know, went too far, too fast. Oh, and I had that. to really slow down uh, with her. I felt some anger over that too. Like, oh, dang, I've been doing this a long time. Mm. Uh, I should be able to nail it every time. I got to pay more attention, be yeah. more tuned. And, you know, a lot of times, especially when we do session after session after session, mm. uh, because you always have to shift gears for this individual, right. for this couple, because right. you can't, because uh, every couple is unique. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and I was really glad you were there. I felt a lot of joy about that because you were able to fill in some gaps yeah. that I just really missed. And, uh, and it, you know, got turned around in just a few minutes, yeah. a big part of that because of you, because you were able to. Uh, kind of monitor that and be aware mm. of it. And I'm so thankful. I just love that, having a partner who's <laughs> in it with me. Yeah. Uh, I felt some shame uh, for this episode putting on this cardigan because I couldn't figure out if the cardigan had shrunk or if I just got fatter. I wasn't <laughs> sure which, which it was. Oh, or maybe I'm that. bloated or something. Aww. So I hope the cardigan shrunk. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, uh, felt some loneliness in a group meeting uh, the other day, uh, just I don't know, just didn't feel seen, didn't mm. feel heard, didn't feel valued wow. uh, in it at all. It's just a kind of a yucky feeling. Um, feel some fear with the connection. <laughs> I mean, it's just wide open. Yeah. And I'm like, my goodness, there is not one day where we could get everything done that's on mm. the list. That's true. Uh, because it's just uh, so much, which is awesome. Uh, but I'm thinking, shoot, are we going to be able to mm. keep up? And our, yeah. our, our, our systems in place to handle this, you know, cause uh -huh. right now we get a certain number of emails a day. Well, that's increasing regularly. And a mm -hmm. year from now we're going to be getting 10 X that many. And do we have the systems in place to handle it? Wow. Uh, and I felt some sadness, uh, you know, mom's, uh, out of town, uh, for, uh, several weeks, uh, gone, went to Florida cause it's too cold, uh, mm. where we are. Yeah. And, uh, just some sadness for her, you know, just how much, uh, is she going to be alone? You know, hopefully she'll be connecting with people yeah. all the time, you yeah. know, in the park where she is. Uh, but I just kind of felt some sadness for her. For those who don't know, my 94-year-old mother uh, lives with us. Mm -hmm. So she's quite a character. Uh, but she hates the cold, so she goes to Florida every winter for a bit. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about her situation. Wow. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thank you all so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I um, I really I always connect to hearing you say to hearing you share with each other, mm. but also it's so good to recognize how we listen to each other, mm. seeing well. how deeply you listen to each other. And even though you're able to vocalize like, Hey, I felt some sadness that you interrupted me mm. or so often we get so defensive, right, just like yeah. you had mentioned earlier, Phyllis, mm. and just having that moment to realize yeah. like, okay, this is their pain that they are feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's just my job to listen mm. and, be here with them is just so beautiful. Yeah. I think many of us miss that mm -hmm. in our marriage. Yeah. Um, so if you, gosh, if you are listening to this and wanting 
to not be stuck, mm-hmm. you know, where you're at yeah. in this cycle of unprocessed emotion in your own life, you can go to connectioncodes.co and find out more about mm-hmm. Dr. Glenn and Phyllis. There they have e-courses available to you. Their foundation course teaches you everything mm-hmm. about how to process your emotion with your partner. Mm-hmm. And it is so much deeper I mean, this is one piece of it. This is a piece of the puzzle. There's so much more of how we give each other identity and we show up for each other. So you can go there and find their Connection Codes Foundations course. You can also book a private session with the two of them. It's just, I've done it myself. That is one of the ways that we met early on. And it was so instrumental and beautiful. So thank you all for being here. If you have not already shared this podcast with your friends, please do so. Give us a five-star review and also hit subscribe. That is the easiest way to get notified that there are new podcasts that are live. And I recognize and realize today that we have not shared that this podcast is also being videoed. Um, It is on YouTube available for you to watch. And so you can find that there and there will be a link. If you're listening to this on your podcasting app, there will be a link that will go straight to the YouTube channel so you can find it. So thank you again, and um, let's let's close it out, guys. Yeah, you need this. You deserve this. Let's, let's do, do this. this. Let's do this. Thank y'all.